ground control to Major Sean. Commencing countdown. Engines on. Check ignition. And may God's love be with you. Ignition? Not seeing that, boss. Uh, it's on your main panel. Do you read? Yes. Of course I can read. Awaiting your confirmation. Do you copy? Uh, I'm unique and original. I would never copy. Say again? You... what? This is one of those commercial rockets, right? Blue space, space virgin? This is an Apollo mission. Cool, so I can just chill and look out the window. You know what? I checked ignition. It looks ignited. Let's go. Copy that. And three, two, one. I just bullshitted NASA. I'm Sean Hills. And I'm Chris Campbell. And this is Circle Takes. Hello, hello. Welcome to this version of Circle Takes. Today we are talking about the dish. The dish. The dish. That sounds like a that sounds like a special Pizza Hut deep dish. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Some kind of one of those like special offer things. Yeah, I like those. My favorite being the uh, Sicilian pizza. I don't know if you remember that. It was a, a square cut pizza, and it was incredible. And then they brought it back, and I believe they called it the Bigfoot Sicilian. Don't know why I know these things, but I do. I like all of the ones that are a variation of the Big New Yorker. The Big New Yorker was good. And I believe um, Domino still has a version uh, called the Brooklyn style or the Brooklyn. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, welcome. uh, Welcome to uh, I was going to say welcome to the dish. Um, You know, uh, Today we're going to be talking about uh, 2000s, right? The year 2000. Yep. 2000s, The Dish, uh, starring the um, ever so multifaceted, talented. Yeah, he's like beyond a character actor, if you ask me. Sam Neill of uh, To the Layman, Jurassic Park fame. Yep. Uh, to us, so much more. He's kind of like he's kind of like Willem Dafoe's brother. Oh, like Willem Dafoe's Australian brother. Yeah. Well, actually, he's New Zealandish. Yeah, but he's he. I think they could play brothers in a movie, and they should. I'd watch that. I would too. A ragtag bunch of Australian scientists navigate the pressures and problems of operating the large radio telescope that has been chosen to receive and transmit video signals of the 1969 moon landing to the world. There you go. That's your brief premise. You know, when you said, uh, I think you said like large satellite dish, I only because I, I can sort of, I sort of like correlate different aspects of science together in mm-hmm. just like ignorant reference word only i i i thought you were gonna say large hadron collider because <laughs> i don't know what that is uh but i've read about it and i've seen it and i still don't get it hell i don't get how the damn satellite dish works to be honest yeah. but shout that out. is true that is true in science the word large can be only be applied to one thing at a time right the large hadron collider exactly that's it's one of Newton's laws of physics. Is it Hadron or Haldron? I don't think there's an L in there. It okay. might be 
Hadron. Hadron Collider. Yeah, exactly. All right. right. The Dish, directed by Rob Sitch, written by Santo Saloro, Tom Gleisner, Jane Kennedy, and Rob Sitch, and produced by the writers, those writers, in addition to Michael Hirsch, starring Sam Neill, Patrick Warburton, Tom Long, Kevin Harrington, Roy Billing, Eliza Sonert, Taylor Kane. Yeah, I mean these this cast and this crew are um I don't want to talk about the crew, but this this cast is uh primarily they're all Australian. Um and that's kind of cool, you know, knowing that the the creators like kept it kept it home. Uh, I mean, hell, they also shot it there at the actual location. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Um how did you say Solaro? Is that how you say it? San, Santo Solaro, one of the producers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're actually they're actually like a a creative collective called Working Dog. Mm. So that's why it has like so many writers. They like they do all of these things together. That sounds fun. I yeah. Just, I'm gonna start one called Working Cat, where I'm all by myself. <laughs> um, and correction uh, before. Before it's caught, this is 2001's The Dish. The film opened in theaters April 27th and uh, had a pretty small box office. Uh, I guess you could say is con- com- considered a, uh, a com- not com- yeah commercial failure, right? But uh, nonetheless, it's only in the U.S. Though, right? It's it's a picture with heart. I'll say that it's got heart. Yeah, it was um, the top top grossing. Australian film in Australia. And I believe I read at some point that it's still on a few top whatever lists. Yeah, so it came out in Australia in 2000, the US in 2001, grossed 18 million in Australia, only grossed 2.5 million in the US. I know about it because it was available for rental at the Tullahoma Library. <laughs> and, and let's not get ahead of ourselves because we need we need to know more about that. We need to know about more about yeah, that, why this film was picked. Uh, for, just a little tease. Yeah, a little tease. A little Tullahoma tease. TT. <laughs> that is what they used to call me. Tullahoma tease. <laughs> yeah, that's why I haven't shown my face at any reunions. Oh, my God. He's a funny guy. Okay. Uh, good to move into why it's no, not known. I thought that was the why it's known and not known. No, well, I was, I was, I had something for it. Oh, okay, go on, go on, please. Why it's known, not known. I put down, it ain't, <laughs> at least not to me. <laughs> it ain't known. Uh, I couldn't even find this thing on a single streamer for rent or purchase. Um, it's not known likely because of the story it aimed to tell. And I also wrote down. I don't mean this in any, you know, rude way, but I wrote down maybe too Aussie. (laughs) And I say Mm. that I say that from a like an audience analysis uh, perspective, you know, American audiences don't generally embrace, you know, um, I guess with the recent exception of Roma, maybe. But they don't they don't generally embrace like um, films that are uh, majority uh, like cultural uh packages you know so to speak um and i and and i'm not generalizing that i'm not saying that americans don't have you know um 
hearts or, or interest or anything like that. But when you get like a foreign film that does really well, I mean, hell, even like Parasite was great and, and won the Oscar. And so many people have just not seen it still. Uh, a lot of people don't like to read subtitles. There you go. In this, For some reason. This you, this is in English, so I don't know if you folks plane. at home know, Australians, a lot of them speak English. Uh, yeah, off of what you just said, uh, subtitles. And, you know, I could see, like, somebody not wanting to see this uh, simply because they talk funny. You know? Yeah, they talk <laughs> like this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with that. I wish they'd speak American. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I will also say that uh, I, I can't wait to kind of like dive deep into. Um, actually, no, this is the proper place for it. Uh, why it's no not known. It, it, it make, I'm curious about it because, you know, when you recommend when you put this one up, I, I thought to myself, I said, I haven't, I haven't heard of this. You know, I looked at the, mm-hmm. the, the, the one sheet and. You know, I my boy Sam Neill, I know him, but Sam Neill and like your Willem Dafoe's, those guys do like 50 movies a year and it's exaggeration. And we only really hear about 11 of them, you know, and yeah. the rest of them yeah. are, are not, they're not like they're indie films per se, but they're sort of art house, you know. Like, I know Dafoe did one recently about a, a very controversial director um, that I want to see. There was an, an Italian director, I believe. I don't know if you heard of it. But um, yeah, this one, I think another fascinating thing on both ends of, of you and I viewership here is the fact that it that, you know, it it has stuck with you and you, you know, you you brought it up and and that the, the time in which it came out, you know, you and I generally talk about how, um, you know, me being what, two, three years older and sort of experiencing it and then you experiencing it either late or not at all because of because of the zeitgeist you were in (laughs) yeah exactly yeah the zeitgeist i was in this (laughs) the zeitgeist you were in and um and i found it kind of interesting this one reminds me of uh the cover for that i think it was called october sky with jake gyllenhaal yeah, that was another big one in my house. Yeah. And if you look at the covers, they, I don't know, they are somewhat, I don't know, October Sky. And now I have to double check. They came out around the same time, too. Yeah, right. And aren't they both about space? Yep. About building rockets. That's right. That's what October Sky is about. And I hadn't thought of this until now, but. I think I must have first, like when this came out on DVD, it was probably after 9-11. And there's something, even though this is an Australian movie, it 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 feels patriotic in an American way to me. Kind of like, yeah, we, we, we did this, we accomplished this, you know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Which is kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm looking at the two one sheets, and they uh, they are it's two two bodies in in the frame, War mm-hmm. Buten and um, and Neil, and then in October Sky, it's Laura Dern and Jake Gyllenhaal. Almost, I mean, you should check this out yourself. You should look at this. This is damn near the same font too. Oh wow! Yeah, look them up. And then uh, the dish, the first step on the moon, nearly stumbled on Earth. And 
October Sky's got no tagline. But but look, even the bottom of the of the picture is like a gold. You're right. It's got the the yeah. fire of the rocket. Yeah. Oh, and October Sky was 99, so they had it first ish. Oh, Interessante. Yeah. The many discoveries. So yeah, not not to trail off going back to uh known and not known. I guess I'm kind of surprised that I had, I don't even know about it. Like that I I, I wasn't even you know, because there's plenty of titles that you see and, and you um you kind of like bookmark them for later. You know, shout mm-hmm. out to uh what's that app we use? Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Yeah. To allow us to track, you know, what we've seen, what we've not seen. That is such a good app. I, I wish uh wish we could get some cash holder for that. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, I probably cut that out. But uh, yeah, and 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 to 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 cap off, you know, when I said maybe too Aussie is I too could see myself like being shied away from something that's not necessarily in you know the the solar system of America. No pun. Yeah, you you have very uh, very Amer- American centric viewpoint. <laughs> you know, this movie came out at a very fascinating time. Uh, there was, I mean, it was the turn of the century. And not the actually, they, I mean, they didn't even really talk about that because the movie doesn't take place in 2000. But <laughs> but the uh, the the time was a special time, you know. And if you, I know you remember it as well. Like we were we were shifting to DVD. DVD had still not dominated everything yet. Yep. And there, I mean, there was still VHS on the shelf. There was um, I just remember that time between 2000 and 2005 being this bit of an explosion of more access to harder to find films or obscure titles. And we're not talking like tiny indies. I mean, like, you know, studio pictures like this, but they just, you know, programmers like two hand, well, they're not two handers, but you know what I mean? And yeah, um, three handers, three handers. And I'm just surprised that uh, I didn't know this one. Just, just kind of surprised. This is one of those movies that I bring up sometimes in conversation and then no, nobody's heard of it. You know, one of those movies where you're like, did it even exist? Mm, gives you your own Mandela effect. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. But at the same time, I have to like, I have to, you know, get a little objective here and, and say, uh, I can kind of see why I can kind of see a few things. You know, th- this is going to be an interesting nap because we, you know, we were going to record this like four weeks ago almost, and we ran into uh, three setbacks. But the reason I highlight that is because this is the longest that a film has sat with me before we spoke about it. Mm. And, um, I got feelings on that. Oh, also, let's highlight something very important. It's also not known because it's kind of not known. I mean, the, the the premise of it all, like so many, I had no idea that this was a, that this happened in American history. And uh, a lot of people also don't know that. They didn't teach this in school. I didn't see it in a tiny little footnote that said, by the way, Australia, you know. Yeah, it's, they don't talk about how this was all like a globally coordinated effort. Usually in history, it's like America did this. We did it first. That's why our flag's on the moon, etc. They don't. They don't talk about this. This Australian dish in the middle of a sheep paddock. <laughs> exactly. They should. They probably should. No, they should. And you know, I could see Hollywood getting their hands on this and redoing it. Um, which gets into this. Actually, gets into some more stuff about you know. Probably down to um, how would I reboot this for sure. Sure. Um, so tell me your gut. 
What's in your gut? Let me give you my gut. Um, I'm going to go with what I wrote, and then I'm going. I'm going to spoke speak. <laughs> gut reaction. Uh, I wrote down the score, comma the release year, comma good hands, comma the feeling. That was my first sentence. The score, the release year, good hands, the feeling. Uh, to finish it off, um, perspective, I wrote down my own curiosity about Australia, the neighborhood, the culture, the challenge of authenticity with this picture. It was okay, warm-hearted attempt at an Apollo 13 endeavor. Now, to break that down a little bit. So the score from the beginning, and, and to, to jump blend that in with good hands as our good friend has uh wonderfully coined a while back you know you're in good hands uh mm. in, in a certain film you know like you you can put it on and just kind of the way it introduces itself to you you're either yep. in good hands or you just kind of don't know what's going on you know i didn't even finish it but i did not feel like good hands when i started watching um uh the ricardos being the ricardos uh, but I'm not finished, so okay. Yeah, don't come from, at me from like the first minute. You were like bad hands. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get some lotion. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, but yeah, the score got me there, which was nice. Uh, the release year too is a bit of of a nostalgia for me. I know we just sort of spoke about that. You know, it's funny because I was still in high school, but something about the feeling of this film made me feel like my first year of college actually mm. actually I, i'm all over the place it actually made me feel more like 2006 and 7 those were those were very special years they were kind of like i don't know just like this film a little bit right under technology you know it's like hmm. there's this great technology coming and, and we're we're using like the baby steps of it all and mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I just I have this weird sentimental attachment to pockets of the 2000s, in particular, the, the two years I mentioned. And this one kind of made me feel that way. I don't know. It almost felt classic in a way. So that's where I talk about the feeling, the good hands. Um, but then then to, to just tie it all up with the release year being 2000, right? 2000 for America or 2001 for America. You, 2000 for Australia, 2001 for uh, one for America. America. Do yeah. we know the month? Because it didn't must you say have April? Been... Uh, oh, yeah, I, I did say April. I thought you Let's said April, April 31st. Yeah, 27th wide release. Um, yeah, and man, April 27th, 2001, I was working at Taco Bell, you know. <laughs> um, I guess I probably would have wanted to see this had I seen a trailer for it. I want, I don't think that they had too many trailer spots you know yeah i think if it had come out six months later in america in the wake of 9-11 when it when, it, it when been... everyone was like filled with the furor of of patriotism and and everything mm. i think it would have done a lot better agreed agreed um agreed or or it could have got uh, overshadowed like uh, glitter did with mariah carey that was supposed to be. Was big. that good? I have no idea, but it, <laughs> it nobody will know because nobody will know. <laughs> uh, I bet it's 
like no pun no puns uh yeah so i agree with you though i agree to either or um and then i wrote perspective i wrote perspective down because i like that it was it was telling the story i like when a movie kind of like doubles down and goes into um into the perspective of the other party i mean you can tell that even even though sam neal's new zealandish or yep. as you said you know he he is added in there as some sort of like hey americans it's okay to watch this movie you know right. we got him and we got uh we got uh, the guy from um family guy who plays uh the dude in the wheelchair or patrick warburton but uh that's his name right yeah, Patrick Warburton. Warburton. I can't say his name that well, but he's oh, great. Okay. He he's, he's, always, he's always great. Always been a great character actor, and yeah. um, he kind of reminds me of uh, the guy from The Evil Dead. Oh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Campbell a little bit. Yeah, I can um, see that. I can see them playing brothers. I'm just on a brother match today. Um, Willem Dafoe, Sam Neill, Patrick Warburton, and <laughs> and and uh, what's yeah. his name? And Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. all star in the plate, <laughs> sequel to the dish. So, oh my uh, God. yeah, my own curiosity about Australia. I wrote that down to, um, yeah, I've always been curious about it because, you know, all we've ever had was uh, Dundee and Outback Steakhouse and Foster's beer. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. I'm not being an asshole. I'm just, I'm just being a dick. No, it's true. And we, we've got the Hemsworths. I forget Plural. where they're from. Yeah. And they, uh, the other thing is what, what I mean is it was nice to see the town. Like I wrote that down and whenever you do anything period piece, I can imagine and, and certainly say it was easier back in 2001 versus now it's, it's just getting harder by the, by the day. But sure. back then it was double challenging to get these uh, anachronisms correct to make to reproduce what an Australian town looked like at the time. Uh, well, yeah, in, in 2000 this was only like 31 years removed from 1969. Right. So this this would be like if we made a movie about 1991, mm, which would be harder now to make though, I think. I think it would because they tried some 90s movies recently recently and it just hasn't done well Mm. i could be cynical maybe we could do it better but yeah i wrote the neighborhood uh, the culture i I really liked seeing it It just seemed it seemed raw and authentic um i said the challenge of authenticity with this picture and then i wrote it was okay uh warm-hearted attempt and i don't mean okay disparagingly um I do mean warm hearted because it, it does have that sort of like saving grace about it. It's got that, that rejoiceful cheer that, you know, the whole audience is supposed to jump up at the end when they make it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then you cue the score right there and it's just this, you know, this is like super warm moment and you kind of get a shot of the sun and then you kind of get the protagonist just walking by himself touching the dish or, or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's slightly formulaic, but, um, I think it was kind of where I began to just ask myself, maybe not what was wrong with it, but where it needed a punch up or like what mm. storylines I was, I was, uh, more interested in hearing. And I don't, I don't, I don't want, like, I don't want to be rude to the movie, you know? Um, 
there, but I, I will say just to be objective here that there was a moment, was a moment and it was past the middle. So that's a good thing where sure. I thought it was boring. I'll say mm. that, but I do have, I also have my favorite turning points and this and that. So I'm going to cap off my gut reactions and go into your guts. Guts. Uh, yeah, I've seen this tons of times. Um, uh, it's good. It's good. It's it's very funny. A lot of humor in here. I like the humor a lot. This kind of blurs into nostalgia factor, but I'll I'll do it anyway. Um, as a kid, I didn't know anything about like movie budgets, and I probably saw this when I was like twelve or something for the first time. But this movie feels like it has such a grand epic scale. But I know that it's super low budget, and it's so it's just kind of like crazy to me how you can tell a story about such like a grand event and still, you know, with archival footage and whatnot, still make it feel epic like that and have like a relatively like small budget, small cast. I don't know. That just kind of really stuck out to me this time. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the music, uh, the score is good. The like selections of music for that time period, I think are really good. Oh, yeah. Even within the story, too, like the the band playing uh, was it Jimi Hendrix instead of um, instead of um, the, the American anthem. Yeah, right. The, it's actually the, the theme to Hawaii Five O. Yeah, but they were also playing something else in at, at their intro. Like there was the lady got yeah. out of the cart. Yeah. Was that Jimi the, Hendrix? Yeah, they tried to play a Jimi Hendrix song. Tried, she, tried. Yeah. yeah. And then they like the lady turned off their amp or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that was a funny part. Um, okay, welcome to our shot list. Uh, first, we're going to get into circle takes or favorite parts of the movie. Our best quote, what we thought was best quote. Does it hold up? Weird history. How would you reboot this? What would make this better? Uh, who used to be a theater actor? Nostalgia factor. Non-white casting. And then we'll jump into our producer and director's corners along with our final questionable questions. Circle takes. So uh, there's a time in the movie where the power goes out and the team working on the dish, they lose track of where Apollo 11 is. Um, and that's a problem because that's kind of what they're there for is to have a signal from Apollo 11. And at that point, the Australians lie to NASA and they, they tell NASA it's probably a problem on their end. Mm -hmm. And then right as all this is happening, the American ambassador shows up and he wants to hear Neil Armstrong speak. Uh, so they have to just, you know, extend this lie. And so then two of the guys leave the room and grab a walkie talkie and they and they fake being Armstrong and Houston in another room. I love that scene. Yeah, in yeah. another room. So they're off in another room and yeah. they're like, uh, copy that. Uh, but the ambassador is amazed. And when he leaves, he tells Sam Neill's character, who's like leading up the whole dish effort, I was going to say good luck, but after what I've seen here this morning, you gentlemen don't need it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's my circle take. I think that's just like such, it really captures what this movie is about, which is like, you know, trying their best to not screw up this monumental task. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Um, I want to add something that I think I should have put in gut reactions um, before I get into my circle take because let's let's actually get the character's name. This is kind of important. Um, the character that I like the most or that stood out to me, he was the the kind of like rude guy who got checked. Oh, Mitch. And then he. Yeah, Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. Played and, by Kevin Harrington. Yeah. I like Mitch. Yeah, he's good. He's he's kind of uh, distrusting mm-hmm. of the Americans of Patrick Warburton's character. Exactly, and he gets um, he gets like sober pretty quick, but he still he still like maintains this uh, like comedic delivery. I, I don't know. It was it was when he was trying to apologize. He still like kind of held on to his lie but then was also revealing it like simultaneously is kind of funny mm-hmm. um so yeah i wanted to say that the to add to the gut reactions that he that the movie sort of like it teaches you about whatever lesson you want to call that mitch went through in terms of you know not taking people at face value and giving people the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, when Sam Neill checked him and told him, uh, maybe this is actually, this blends into a good circle take. Yeah. Cause when I didn't put it down, but when Sam Neill, uh, checked him, I forgot what the exact line was, but he, he like pulled him to the side. And I mean, you've seen it a hundred times, you know what you're yeah. talking about? He pulls him to the side and he kind of just tells him like, Mitch, you know, so something, something to the equivalent of like, give him a chance or, or, you know, you don't know what he's capable of or something like that. Do you remember this? Yeah, I think he kind of talks about how, like, he's here to help us, like we're all in this together type thing, right? Yeah, something something pretty general like that, but enough of it to, like, get Mitch to, like, shut up, you know? Because mm-hmm. uh, Mitch is the whole time. He's just, like, holding he's holding this, like, grudge at, uh, at, at Patrick uh, for no reason. He's just being defensive, you know, because it's that's what it was, is this fear of perception. He thinks that they think that he's just some farm boy. That's what it was. They, they talked exactly. about like, oh, they're just like sheep guys and they just got like the B crew to do this or the right. D crew, you know, and it just says says a lot about what he thinks of himself and his own confidence. True. You know, and I think a lot of us. Uh, we all sort of experience that at times. I know I have for sure. And it's kind of nice to see that sequence on screen. So I'll, I'll, I'll add that as a bonus circle take. But the two that I put down was uh, the dinner table scene uh, with the whole family more towards the middle end. Mm-hmm. And um, the this isn't really a there is I don't know if it counts as a circle take. I wrote the composition, the composition of wide shots on the dish. There was about three of those. There was one at the beginning. I think there was one in the middle and one at the end where they're standing in the middle of the actual dish and they yeah. got this huge wide shot. And I just it was kind of Wes Anderson-y and it was uh, is it Wes or Paul? Which which one is Wes the, Anderson. Budapest Hotel guy. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. Very, very Wes Anderson. And it's very like some it was almost very symmetrical and kind yep. of like artistic, almost like I was watching a painting or something. But I like those shots because you don't see a lot of that. You know, the the only other time I've seen something like that was Goldeneye on a dish. Right. Not a lot of movies uh, take place on a dish. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with that? Yeah. The hell, man. <laughs> 
best quote. So this is this is kind of tied to uh, my circle take. My my favorite line is uh, is right after Sam Neill's character Cliff lies to NASA. Mitch says, "Cliff, that's bullshit. He just bullshitted NASA." <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That 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 is one of the title lines right there. It's good. That's good. Um, I have a few down. Yeah, there's a few for me too. Yo, go go on. I think what this movie excels in is is like exchanges of lines rather than specific lines. So one exchange, uh, Sam Neill's talking to the mayor of the town of Parks, and uh, the mayor says, "That was a wonderful moment," and Cliff says, "But this isn't," and Bob says, "No, this is a shit ass moment." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh another exchange i forget who even says it but uh one character is talking about the ambassador and says he's a space nut knows all about apollo 11 and the other character says does he know where it is <laughs> didn't one of them like question what they should call the ambassador like didn't one of them say like your your highness or your your yeah. eminence or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was funny yeah um are you, are you good i'm good what you got what you got well maybe you can help me find this one because i don't know I, it's definitely out of context i separated them so there's yeah this is definitely out of context one quote was by the teacher when the teacher said thank oh thank god now I remember it was at the beginning um, I think they were asking for drawings of of uh, either drawings or essays or poems or something about mm-hmm. the mission. Yeah. And I think the little girl was about to read and then the, the, I don't know what stopped them. Something stopped them. One of the kids was about to say something and the teacher just didn't want to hear it. And uh, and they can maybe the bell rang or something and the teacher goes, thank God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was kind of funny. And then I wrote my wife. She's the lemon. That was kind of funny. Yep. That's um, a good one. I think the best one is this is science's chance to be daring. That's uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I think that was actually at the dinner scene. Sam Neill says that to the daughter, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or maybe that was at the press conference. No, that, that happened at some point. Uh, I wrote this one down to what are you doing standing around bitching? Does that make, does that catch ring a bell? Yeah. I think Cliff says that to Mitch Mm -hmm. to kind of shake Mitch out of. That's right. That's right. Complaining about Patrick Warburton, the American. There's a line then. There's a line. Yeah. That's the scene. I like that one too. Um, Because it's just true. Sometimes you could simply say that to someone, but it's oftentimes a situation feels like it's more complicated than a simple sentence like this you know but i'm gonna yeah. try it next time to somebody and say what are you doing standing around bitching i'm gonna try it try it i'll report back and then i think the one that has the most heart second to this is science's chance to be daring is uh mitch mitch's line mm-hmm. when he says this whole thing i can't believe i'm part of it yeah yeah, I love that. I love it so much because I feel the same way in so many ways. I can't believe I'm part of this podcast. Exactly. Me too. 
uh, this is a little bit of a, a tangent, but I guess it's it's something that just comes to mind now as you were talking about like Mitch's arc. Mm-hmm. I guess I was so I'm I'm so embedded in the nostalgia of this that I didn't even like realize until you spoke about it. But most of these characters have an arc. Mm-hmm. They do. Yeah. Neil um, gets his balls back. <laughs> kind of. Well, he's he's like, a, yeah, Sam Neil's character is is in mourning. Yeah. His wife has passed away and she was really excited for this. So he's kind of like disconnected a little bit. And so he needs to get like shaken up and refocused. And then there's the Glenn character who's like has a crush on a girl, but he's too shy. And he and then eventually learns how to take a risk. Even the the dopey weird security guard has his own little remember when he thinks he's talking to Neil Armstrong. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So it's like I think that's that's just the mark of good writing and good movie making that like mm-hmm. Of course, as a kid, I didn't really understand, and and even now, until we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, this is this is pretty well made. Like, mm-hmm. for some reason, I I still have my nostalgia goggles on when I watched it this time. Yeah, well, and and this is the fun of what we're doing. I mean, I you know, I I I could see that. I could see myself doing wearing the same goggles. Yeah, it's funny because you simultaneously, I think it it is the amount of characters that. Um, it, it it doesn't hurt it it begins to be it begins to edge into what could be considered the 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 downfall or like the the losing of steam for the picture for me uh simply because i think they they did have a few too many storylines like almost too many storylines mm-hmm. to sew up and they were trying too hard to sew all of them up so i don't know um I know we're jumping around here, but I, I think I, this I, is a good lead into the next one. Does it hold up? Perfect. You're right. And and maybe we should move reboot this to to after does it hold up? Sure. Let's do that. Yeah. So. All right. So we're going to blend. Does it hold up? And how would you reboot this? Yep. All right. Let's blend. OK, so I wrote down. Actually, kind of, but I could see an audience not sticking around. And what I mean by that is it it holds up as a as a as a, a I don't even want to say attempt because I feel like I'm I'm dismissing it. Mm-hmm. It holds up as a as uh, not maybe a version as a you know like okay like you know okay War of the Worlds. Um, nine, I don't know, 1954. Is that when the, the original came out? You want to, you want to test me? Uh, and then maybe, uh, war of the worlds Spielberg. So, um, now I really want to know if I'm right. Now I'm looking. Okay. Now I'm waiting. You were close. 1953. Dermot. Uh, and Spielberg's came out in 2005. Oh, five. All right. Damn, I suck. Okay. You're always I, just I, one year away. That's not I, bad. Yeah. I need to be like I need to be like Mitch. No. <laughs> you just need to make some flashcards with movie titles on one side and the year they came out on the other side. That would be a good game, bro. Um okay. Yeah, so like like the original War of the Worlds, HG Wells. Great, yep. great movie. And, you know, most kids and I, I think audiences can say like it, 
if if it's old, if they see the year it came out. I, mean, I remember when I was a kid, knowing that something was in black and white was like in, an immediate loss of 50 points. I don't want to see that. I'm wow. not interested. And well, I'm talking from the, the immature kid point of view, you know, they want sure. color and action and, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, thankfully, I wasn't necessarily always that way. And I think the same applies to older movie titles in general, sort of. Um, but with World of the Worlds, you know, that wasn't black and white. That was color. Um, and that was a, a great movie. But then, uh, you know, the Spielberg one, I like that one, too, actually. It was it was very, you know, Hollywood blockbustery, but yeah. I remember that one a lot. So what I say by um, not wanting to call it a, an attempt is that this is a good version for 2001. And and I think it holds up because it it does you know do the story justice. But, you know, does it need to be rebooted? I, I don't think so. My only comments are like, I would like to see Ron Howard get his hands on it, but that's coming from a super bias towards him doing Apollo. Oh, um, yeah. Kind of like a semi sequel to Apollo 13. Exactly. And and boy, did he do that one. I mean, like Apollo 13 isn't like just some blockbuster movie. I think has heart. It's just, it's wonderful. Like we should do that one another time. But yeah, but but again, this is such a like story that that is um this story has more would you say it's got human condition in it in terms of like what they're all going through individually yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's like i said yeah it's got it's got some kind of scale to it yeah yeah I'm it sure feels like it. it has epic proportions but then yeah and i think that that's the only thing that's actually kind of missing like every now and then you you want a little salt on your dish you know so you (laughs) (laughs) that was good i didn't i didn't do it on purpose but it was good i didn't even catch that it's it's too early in the morning but it's good it's good yeah so and and by in the salt in this case would be like uh an action sequence like something intense you know but they did well by using archival footage yeah yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry to finish it. I wrote um, to add it to blend it into how would you reboot this? I said, um, so eventually, does it hold up? Yes, I think it does. Um, how would you reboot this? I wrote creative Hollywood liberties. Michael Bay the shit. Overly <laughs> dramatize the stakes. Oh, no. Chop it. Pick up some of the pace. Remove the poorly developed love story. Like that's that's what I wrote in there for reboot. Uh, how would you reboot this? The question isn't should you or would you yeah it's how so i answered it you answered it uh for me i think it holds up it holds up but uh this time watching i was very struck by how white this movie is well like all all white cast yeah well you know i didn't think about that when i was an insulated white kid in 2002 or whatever but i'm like there's got to be australia has indigenous people that's fair, a fairly known thing. And <laughs> I'm I, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. You know what I put for non-white casting? What? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when you said that, I was like, oh, I was like, what did I put down for that? I was like, okay, yeah. Exactly. No, of course, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, let's, because I believe in, in Australia, there's the Aboriginal people. And it's like, surely, unless... Australia was just this segregated and racist in 1969, which maybe it was. There should be some 
people of color in this world. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, what's funny is it, it's it's actually kind of hard to speak to that. Um, but let's let me bookmark that for uh, non-white casting. Sure, uh, we'll let's let it. you finish. Um, and then in terms of how would I reboot it, I think going off of what you said of too many storylines, maybe it would be best as like a mini series. Hmm. Like like make it six to eight episodes, and then you can because I think that is. One of the strengths of this movie is like all the liberties they've taken with like the townspeople and their interactions and all that stuff's like really good and really funny and interesting to me. So maybe it just needs to be drawn out over several episodes rather than trying trying to squeeze it all into what was this like close to 90 minutes, right? 101 minutes, yeah. Mm. I think if we were going to reboot it your style, Michael Bay esque. The issue I see is these were Australians doing this. So if we were going to reboot it for Hollywood, I think we'd have to take like Hollywood Australians and just direct them to do a very light version of their accents. So like Hugh Jackman would now play the Sam Neill character, right? No, Mel Gibson would. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, he's, he's, he's coming back. You know, and, uh, and you'd uh, have Nicole to get Kidman. Nicole Kidman in here somewhere. Yeah. Maybe she'd yeah. be the mayor's wife or something yeah you know, you'd have to well, you'd have to use those australians who don't have thick who can do a non-thick australian accent oh fuck it let's let them be themselves you know that brings me to another rant i want to talk to you so but so i i, <laughs> I saw spider-man 3 or spider-man uh what was it uh no way home yeah be careful what you say because i still haven't seen it for the third time yeah and i'm and i'm sick of that Get your ass to the theater to see it. I don't want the Omicron. I ordered oh. it on VO on VOD, oh. so I think it's I don't supposed want to it. it's I supposed to come out in a week or something. I don't want to hear it. So I went to saw it three times and I started going off of your accent thing. What do you think about this? So you got I'll just say Tom Holland, you know, like well, what do you think about this? I think it's fascinating when Aussies and Brits can do American accents. I love the shit out of it. I, I uh, drove Uber when I when I uh, moved here for the first six months um, or so, and I picked up this this dude who was uh, Aussie or Brit, and I told him that I was like, I'm fascinated. He's like, dude, talk like me. Come on, do it. You know? <laughs> and he and he did it, dude. It is it's wild. But here's the thing, I can understand maybe for character sometimes, but why do we? It almost seems as though we make them not be themselves or not speak in their normal accent. I mean, is that really that bad? Uh, is it really bad to have a Superman with an English accent? Is it awful? Yeah, I think some people would, would say that Superman is like an American hero. So it would be to them, it would be a travesty to have to have a British accented Superman. Mm, OK, but well. I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't care. Like Superman's from another planet. Maybe maybe little baby Kal-El just was born with a British accent. Baby L. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm going to catch your, your uh, I'm going to catch my tangent and bring you right back to where you were. You were in the middle of talking about my potential um, Michael Bay boot. And you had mentioned all the Aussies that could be in it, which I'm down for. I like that version because we got a lot of Aussies that could be in it. Well, because you can't reboot this and set it in America. Hmm. 
You, you got to have some kind of root in reality. Mm-hmm. Not that this was completely accurate, but uh, right, right. We can get into that in weird history and whatnot. Weird history. I was. I don't know if I want to save this one for a question for you, but this this adds to more of like this is definitely a spillover episode. We we're not. We seem to not be finished with some of these some of these shots. Uh, I was going to tell you and ask you, who do you think the the antagonist is in this film? In some way themselves, a lot of the arcs of the characters are about getting out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Where there's force of forces of antagonism that also come in the way of like a power outage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ambassador showing up at the exact moment you really don't want the ambassador to show up. Even... Some of the Australian crew feel like Patrick Warburton is an antagonist to them. <laughs> I think the antagonist is the dish. The dish itself. Yep. The dish represents something that we have, and to go off of your point about themselves, something that we have the ability to to maneuver, manipulate, control, measure, calibrate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's facing us, you know, all like all day or looming over our heads and we, and we see it and it, you know, we can walk towards it or we can walk away from it. You know, we can cower or we can go in, you know, a blazing or with some sort of confidence yeah. and, but yet it's always just looking at us, you know, waiting for us to approach it. Mm-hmm. That's something I thought about. I disagree, but I, I can see where you're coming from. Damn it. Okay, well, you have to explain now. Now you have to explain. I mean, uh, I feel like the dish itself, are you saying it's like the primary antagonist? Oh, no, because it doesn't talk. Sean, dishes don't talk. Well, yeah, okay. power outages don't talk either, but they, they do create problems. No, I'm I'm saying it more symbolically, but go on. Oh, yeah. For sure, it's like a, a symbol of uh, the overbearing pressure. Mm-hmm. Even just even just the the image of it doesn't make any sense. You have this super tiny building beneath the dish, mm. and then you have this massive structure that is the dish. And it's like, how does this tiny building bear the weight of such an immense thing? And that's exactly what's going on. How does this tiny crew bear the weight of the largest moment to date in human history? That part. That's what the kids say. They go, that part. <laughs> Meaning, like, you said something that was very, like, effective and accurate. Yep. That part. That part. <laughs> uh, uh, we're in weird history, right? Yes, we have arrived. I have little to nothing. Okay, I got some stuff. Okay, let me get my short end out of the way. Uh, the director's a doctor. That was interesting. I don't know if you knew that. Didn't know that. Doctor of yeah. what? MD? I think he is actually an MD. Um, oh, kind of like that's what stu- Ken Jong. Yeah, I think that's what stood out the most because, I mean, he had to be. I didn't write it down. He has, he's got to be MD because if it just said he had a doctorate, you know, it'd be like, oh, okay, well, anyone can get that. Could be anything. Uh, yeah. yeah, him and him and the... <laughs> screenwriter he's married to either one of the crew or the screenwriter right not one of the actresses right i didn't Um, investigate 
the the personal relationships. Yeah, Rob Stitch and Jane Kennedy, I believe that's his other half. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they they are kind of known in the improv world of Australia, supposedly. Uh, They did some show called Utopia that apparently was a pretty big hit and Mm -hmm. Frontline. Yeah. And then I also came across, which I'm sure you're going to highlight better, uh, that there was actually some historical inaccuracies in terms of in terms of the amount of weight that the dish actually carried for NASA on this in this historical event. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. Please, please take it. Take it away. And yes, he is married to Jane Kennedy. Yeah, there's there's debate as to whether another dish at Honeysuckle Creek Mm -hmm. actually received images from the moon or if it was this one that received the images from the moon. Uh, if that's what you were talking about, right? Yes. Even just, uh, the first piece of weird history that I have comes from the end credits where there's a title card that says written, produced, and conceived Conceived by by Santos Aloro, Tom Gleisner, Jane Kennedy, and Rob Sitch. And I've never seen that before. Like- Sean, I swear to you. I was thinking the same thing. I swear to God. Yes. Go ahead. Where I'm like, this is a collaborative effort, a collaborative, you know, films are always collaborative, but not, I haven't seen it like this where it's like, we all wrote it together. We all produced it. Like, I just think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. In my younger days, I kind of ascribed to the auteur theory where like there's one one artist on the film, the director. <laughs> but now I kind of think that's bullshit. And uh, I wish people would collaborate more and be more open to collaborating. Because there are still a lot of directors who are like, I have to write everything. I have to direct everything. I have to edit it. And collaboration's fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a method to the madness on both sides. And and I think I agree with you. I, um, I do think that there are moments where the 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 one person can be um like allowed so to speak sure. or you know permitted to like kind of claim all the glory in a way um it ain't that way with the producing world <laughs> but i mean that's that's why they added the uh well at least i had never seen it before until we were in school together but the whole creative producer title and you know being able to see what that ha- has become is becoming and and just the way that people are moving in different directions of the the industry and and everyone's wearing multiple hats. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree now to 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 sort of be slight buzzkill. I did wonder when I saw that conceived and written by on IMDb, it says conceived and written by uh-huh. um, I, I wondered, well, wait a minute. What if that's what if that is the way that they do it in Australia in terms of like actual credit, you know, like their version of, I don't think it is the PGA. Yeah. I don't think it is. I think this is just like a unique collective. Like we talked about earlier. All right. I got some more history too. Oh, please go on. So I listened to an interview with Tom Gleisner, who is one of the co-writers, co-producers, co-conceivers of the dish. And he kind of talked about adapting this story to be a film. So originally, the crew working on the dish was like 30 people. And they reduced that to like four or five. Mm -hmm. 
and they had the American delegation, which was like five people, and they reduced that to Patrick Warburton. So that's one thing that was changed. All the townspeople were fictionalized. They just kind of took creative liberties with that. Which I'm fine with. Like, I think a lot of the fun from the movie comes with the antics of the townspeople. Uh, the movie was self-funded. No government assistance was offered. This group Working Dog, this is the first film they actually wrote, but it, it was too, it was deemed too risky for like an untested production company. Mm-hmm. So then they made their film The Castle, which I haven't seen, but it's supposedly good. And then after the castle, after the, yeah, after the success of The Castle, they were able to make The Dish. Who's in The Castle? The Castle, The Castle. So... It has. It seems like it's a mostly Australian cast as well. Michael Caton, I've heard of before. And Tenny. Oh, it's an Australian one? Yeah, because they're Australian. Stephen Curry, not Stefan Curry. Uh, Sophie <laughs> Lee. Oh, Eric Bana. Or is it Bana? He's in it. Yeah. Bana Bana. Bana Bana. Banana. Yeah, it's, you know, it's got people. Interesting. Uh, no support from the government on that. Yeah, especially when it's, you know, like a a movie about an Australian achievement. Mm -hmm. They were only given two weeks to film at the actual dish. Right. They just filmed all the exterior shots within those two weeks. And then every scene we see inside of the dish is is filmed on a soundstage. Mm -hmm. And they only had Sam Neill for like a small number of days, too. So they had to like squeeze all of his shooting in. Yeah, so the, the interior shots of the dish were recreated in, in Melbourne, but they were able to actually film with the original equipment that was on the dish that was used in 1969 because NASA didn't want to pay money to ship their equipment back to the U.S. from Australia. So it was just all like sitting in a warehouse. Really? Yep. Oh, Wow. So they had like actual crew from the 60s come onto the set and they were like, this looks exactly like it looked like because it was. Oh, OK. I, I think I misheard you. Yeah, no, I, I read that, too. Um, the uh, yeah, they said that it felt like they stepped in like a time capsule or something, right? Yeah, because it was yeah. the same, the exact same equipment. Yeah. Did um, do you know if in terms of like the historical inaccuracies, do you know if. The windstorm was real. Was that a creative liberty? Uh, I think it was real. I think I remember reading it was real. Yeah, the windstorm is what like knocks out the power and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. The I mean, the point of it, the point of like the dish being placed where it was and and in this sheep farm was because it's got low winds there, right? <laughs> And then there were high winds right when they needed the dish. Yeah, perfect storm. Yes. I think that's all I've got. Do you got anything else for weird history? No, that's it. Because, you know, that's actually, it's kind of like another tragedy about, you know, films that are as recent as the new, as the current century, but also, um, you know, haven't got much play or have it's kind of like when when a classic title finally comes to to blu-ray or dvd and there's no bonus features you know Mm -hmm. like uh passion of the christ was you know this epic picture and then when it came came to dvd i remember back in the day just the movie that's it because i i think they don't want to uh 
disturb the magic of it. You know, they want you to, they want you to feel like Mel Gibson just went back in time with a camera crew and, and shot it. Well, he did, but he went with Doc and Marty. He didn't go with a camera crew. <laughs> God, man. <laughs> Correct you all the time. Yeah, what would make this better? <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. I wrote C above. <laughs> uh, because it's, I mean, I'll say it again. Creative Hollywood liberties. Michael Bay the shit. Overly dramatized the stakes. Rechop it. Pick up some of the pace, remove the poorly developed love story, or in, embellish in the in the poorly developed love story. I'm not talking about the the girl who's bringing them snacks and the the guy who just took forever to ask her out. Remember what was what was poorly developed about it? That's it. That's the, why you know does she like him? What what does he see in her? Like what does she want to do? I mean you know like. Get get a scene with them together instead of the final at the end. You know, have like more of a conversation because they didn't really. Yeah, that's a good point. We don't really know what their interests are. Yeah, and who's there was another like B love story going on with that soldier who uh, wanted to date. Yeah, the daughter. military kid who wants to date the daughter. Yeah, yeah, and then she only comes around to him at the end because what patriot. Patriot, Peter can't well, she, speak. She doesn't. I mean, she doesn't like come around. He's like she smiles at him. He's and like makes it look he's like, like standing behind her, watching the moon landing, and she's like, and "Yeah, this is fine." Hand. Do they? Yes. Yeah, yeah, something like that. About, uh, eh. Yeah, but like, well, you know what? Like, it's it's kind of funny, but it just goes nowhere, and that's a little annoying. Yeah. Um, I like the relationship between the the, the town mayor and his wife. That was there was. You could tell there was like some mutual love and support there. Something it was while small played, it was uh, much more developed than the other two. True. Just like there's good dynamics there for sure. Yeah. So if you're going to, you know, if you're going to throw a love story into something like this too, which usually they do. I mean, a Hollywood, Australia and Australia would anywhere is going to to throw um, at a love story. But theirs was just poorly developed. Is that all you got? What would make this better? Um, on when I think about it in, in context of what of of our shot list, honestly, let me take some of those out to apply to this film and sure. not the reboot. This film, I double down on punching up the love story and or removing one of them whether it be the soldier and the and the daughter or mm -hmm. or even this this dish guy and the the girl because i don't really remember what purpose she served in terms of her character's backstory period she just brings them food or something i don't yeah, maybe her just, dad used to work there well her brother is the security guard uh, yeah, that's what it was yeah but it, it and she does, can't drive right <laughs> she kept crashing her car or something right yeah it does kind of play on these like stereotypes of Woman, woman driver can't drive, which is not great. And then also, yeah, she just kind of exists to be an object of affection. She just kind of exists for this guy's arc to be possible for him to like overcome his fear. So you're right. We don't, we don't really get anything deeper from her, which would be well, nice. Plus, he takes his fucking time to get there. Like, dude, I mean, it's, they, they, it was just one too many. Oh, I'm going to be a shy idiot, you know? Yeah, why not? Uh, you know how there's that woman who's like organizing the the show with the band and everything. 
Yep. Why not just get rid of that character and have Janine be doing that stuff? And then she has more of like a purpose. Okay, she's like organizing all this stuff in the town, kind of merge those characters together. I don't know. I I highly agree, especially when we find when we found out per your research that, you know, the townspeople were all practically made up. True. So yeah. I don't know, for four people to conceive and write something and they <laughs> kind of missed out. It was an opportunity there. Yep. Um but other than that, I would maybe and so when I say re-edit, I mean actually just more like trim a scene or two, not mm. not like replace it or remove it. Yeah. Uh, because this film does it, it can it can walk on its own legs and it has, you know, it has everything it needs. Um, I would just, you know, remove a sticker here or two, mm-hmm. you know, from like its final design. Yeah. But uh, that's about it for me on what would make this better. Yeah, I think uh, for me, more inclusive casting, not only from like a, you know, this is very white perspective to like, we know that NASA had uh, women scientists at the time. Maybe maybe one of the people working on the dish is a woman. I don't know. One thing I was curious what your thoughts were is there's there's a framing device with like an older version of Sam Neill's character at the start of the movie and then the end of the movie. And when I when I first saw it at the start of the movie, I was like, do we need this? I don't know. But then when it came back to it at the end and he's like staring up at the dish, it kind of it kind of got me in my my warm feelies. So I kind of did like it at the end, but I'm still on the fence. What do you think about this? I agree. I I fully agree because it's very it, it's I mean, Saving Private Ryan did that, um, I guess, more not famously because it came later, but it did it more as far as like, Oh, people can remember it. And that's not the first time it's done, but it's also like that, that style in filmmaking where you start in the middle and then you, and then you go back yeah. and then you arrive where you started and then you finish the movie. Yep. Verhoeven did that on um, Starship Troopers. The pilot episode of Breaking Bad. Exactly. And I think I like, if we're going to do one of these things, I think I like that one better. Uh, the feelies though, it's going to sound weird. I get them too. I don't know if I like those feelies because I got, I'm thinking back to saving private Ryan. It's basically Matt Damon as an old man. Yep. You know, he's in the cemetery and it goes into the eyes, his beautiful, his baby, his beautiful American blues, baby blues. And, and he, and then it ends on those same eyes and that old man gets up and he's trying to salute. And it's, I don't know. It feels like going to church on Sunday. Not that that's bad. <laughs> Not that that's bad. Not that that's bad. But when you go to church, you're like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's cleansing in some sort of, you know, mm, way. Well, can't think of the adjective. Yeah. Adverb. The. Uh, but it. It's it's odd. I I like and I don't like it. I like and I wouldn't miss it. Yeah. If that makes sense. I see yeah. I see that. Yeah. I see that. So as long as it's done right, because I, I did agree with you when they started it, I was wondering like, oh, okay, so <laughs> this uh, is what we're uh, doing. I got him in the old age makeup. Which the old age makeup yeah. didn't look bad. No, no. We're we're lucky that this was shot when it was shot because they didn't attempt to do like CGI old age 
looks, which mm-hmm. which I think still don't look great. I wish people would stick to makeup, but very few have. I think the Star Wars ones with Carrie Fisher look pretty good. Um, and then some of the scenes from the Irishman uh, worked with the de-aging. Oh, de-aging. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Uh, well, yeah. Now they think about it. Oh, tangents. Too many tangents. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who used to be a theater actor? Oh, I put down everyone. <laughs> that's that's literally uh, what I put all of them. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't a gun to my head. I can't tell you if uh, Warburton, you know, did theater, but I bet all my money on it and hope that the that the the gun was empty. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that I mean we know Sam Neill did. Yep, uh, but it's. All I can say, the only thing that gives me an idea that the Aussies were is because Stitch and Kennedy, his his wife, were, like I said, in that they did improv and, you know, improv has its roots in theater. Yep. So um, I'd say all of them. But I mean, you can. Uh, yeah. And I could kind of see this as a play where all the scenes take place within the dish offices. I could see it kind of working. Oh, yeah. I like that. I like that. I would I would buy tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, that's mm, I think you need to submit that one to the board. Will do. It's funny because the top cast on IMDB for everyone is they don't even have headshots on here. Oh, Roz Hammond. She was in Muriel's Wedding. That's another one. Tony Collette could be in the uh, Aussie mm-hmm. movie. Uh, yeah, and, and the, that have, all the Hemsworths. Have you seen Muriel's Wedding? No, I haven't. I wasn't invited. It's a good one. Uh, huh. Roz Hammond. Not much of a bio. Hmm. See, it's, you, know, you can't really tell there. Uh, Luke Kelty only. He's only he only has uh, he's only known for the dish and something called Blue Healers hmm. from 1998. Interesting. Which looks like another series primarily focused on the daily lives of Victorian police officers working in a police station in the fictional town of Mount Thomas. Jesus. Okay. Okay. Uh, gotta be Australian. Uh, ben Wright Smith, only known for the dish. Uh, Grant Thompson is an actor, writer known for The Dish. <laughs> that that makes uh, me think that a lot of them are theater actors because, you know, you don't list theater credits on IMDb, but it definitely didn't feel like they cast a bunch of people with no acting abilities. Right, I think, so let us take this. I think all the performances are pretty strong. So I think we can just kind of lump lump it all together and say... Yeah, theater actors, all of them. Uh, Christopher Robin Street was known for a picture called You and Your Stupid Mate. (laughs) (laughs) Came out in 2005. That's interesting. Yeah, I was was gonna say, let us let us remind the listeners that, um, to offer your point right there. Off of them not having too many credits and, and not listing the, the theater credits, mm-hmm. you know, we, we like to say it because we like to 
point out who we can recognize maybe in an effort to say like they need to get better with their on-camera work you know or they did so well that their on-camera work is you know they look they come across as a natural because we, we you and i can always tell when we see a theater actor sometimes it's yeah. just it's so evident you know and that's pretty astonishing that some of that most of these you can't see it, you know, mm-hmm. but it but seems as though all of them are. So even more of a feat right there is what well, I'm trying yeah, to say. Because I don't know how much of it is my like nostalgia goggles, but I feel like there's great performances from everyone in this movie. Agreed. And yeah, even the minor characters are like the security guard. Yep. Um, didn't have much. And it's, it's difficult to it's difficult to be a character that doesn't have many lines. You got to do a lot of. Um, you know, a physical acting too, right. facial mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, and even the daughter who was just constantly upset, you know, at like the system. Yep. I thought she was actually pretty good too. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think we both agree. Everyone. 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 Yeah. So Nostalgia Factor, this, this movie is kind of a, a family favorite. It's, the kind of DVD that when you have people over, you ask, have you seen the dish? And you know they're going to say no. So before they even answer, you say, you got to see the dish. It's that kind of movie. You know, and you can't have those conversations really anymore. People people don't have their movie collections out as a talking piece. But uh, yeah, I've, I've watched this movie a lot. Seen it many times. Um... I grew up in a very conservative household, so so one thing that stuck out this time is the Marie character, the daughter of the mayor. Like growing up, she was like a a, a joke to me, and I know she's kind of like played as a joke in the movie, but this time I actually agree with a lot of what she's saying. Like you have this U.M. U.S. ambassador coming to town, who was probably appointed by Richard Nixon who she calls a fascist. And I'm like, yeah, he probably is a fascist. And she also like makes some comments about whether, uh, the space program is worth like all this money. And, you know, I have to wonder if maybe this money could have been better spent on, uh, helping Americans on the ground. So there is, there is a contrast between what I was when I first saw this and, and who I am now. And there is still kind of that question of, uh, all this stuff with defense and space is the money worth it. Could it be better spent somewhere else? I don't know. That's a big question. But uh Well, well, we'll keep space. We can chill out on defense. <laughs> <laughs> so overall I've always enjoyed this movie. Uh it's been like one of those movies my family quotes. Uh <laughs> oh okay, I got like anytime interrupt. anytime someone says something about a lemon, you know. Uh-huh. My wife, she's a lemon. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and interrupt. What do you got? What do you got? That was it. I want to hear your examples that your family quotes. Tell me what the Hills Clan quotes from this film. Please take a moment. I want to hear them all. One of them is uh, the mayor and his like assistant. The mayor says something like, that's what it's all about. And then the assistant says like, sucking up to the big wigs. <laughs> and then the mayor's like, no, that's that's not it. Uh, and then, uh, there's like a, 
Who in your family says that though? Like, does your dad know. say that when he's explaining something? Like, sucking up to the big wigs. Yeah, like if we're just like talking about like our jobs or something, or like you know trying to get a promotion, <laughs> you know, then it comes up. Or oh. there's like a parliament guy. I don't know what they're called over there in Australia, but he says something like, "There's a saying in the party," and and Bob says, "What's that? You don't fuck up." Mm. Uh, my family says that too yeah i like that i like that one yeah i want to hear the hills clan say that you don't fuck up you don't fuck up so that's that's me that's my nostalgia i don't know for some reason i really just love movies about space (laughs) i don't know why i know you kind of do too oh god if i could if i could beat that statement i would it's the final frontier absolutely right there with you both trekkies at heart yeah have to figure out a way to do all the tricks. i love space trek me too i think this would have stuck around in my head had i actually seen it in the year 2000 it was such a time for film and the ones that were coming out so that was like a quick note way of me saying there was Kind of going on your family nostalgic quotable uh, thing, Mm -hmm. you know, for for us, we had quite a bit in our family. And I think that's actually that's something that's that's something to highlight right there that that uh, people should talk more about, because, you know, uh, some families big and small, they do have those sort of not not even obscure, but like you have those those moments when you meet another person whose family also loved a certain movie Mm -hmm. and that there's a, there's a a special sentimentality there. Um, For us, it was, what about Bob? And I met quite a few other people who, whose families also shared the same thing because the, yeah, we had, what about Bob on VHS? So did we, yeah. And we, but we quoted it all the time, you know, and, and it was just me and my mom, my brother. So it's, it's funny hearing like the dynamics of, of, um, of you know you and your larger family and then other people with you know um both parents or more more siblings or hell i'd I'd like to hear from an only child person who uh who quoted movies with their family that'd be kind of cool i want to hear those stories that would be interesting yeah this 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 would be fun to ask uh people moving forward Um, like anytime my family's uh, on a boat they're like I'm a sailor. I sail. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's that. It's just definitely a nice magic there to be, you know, pointed out. Um, that And it aids to the nostalgia. It really, really does. It just kind of all blends in and goes hand in hand. Yep. I don't know if you remember uh, when we did A Little Princess, uh, I told you about this line that other people would mutually say at the same time. And it was it was her delivery when she goes, Papa. Remember that? Uh-huh. Papa. Yeah, my my mom used to do that. Talk about like little inside lines. That was yeah. But I mean, she did it in like a funny way. Hmm. Um. So anyway, uh, like I said, I think this would have stuck in my head more had I seen it in the year two thousand because there's a few of those uh, not obscure titles that that do just sort of stay with you. They're smaller films. Yeah. Um. And they have you know okay okay kind of like remember O. Uh, about Othello uh-huh. with Othello uh, in a high school. Yep. Yeah. That one always sort of stuck with me. It just, you know, um, our friend Marcus, he 
him and I went into this tangent about the movies that came out around that time that were bringing that whole um, element of uh, of Euro trash to and not the people, but like <laughs> Euro trash, like the style yep. to American films, kind of like your uh, the Italian job and the mod squad mm-hmm. and. And a lot of those, they they brought a style, a fashion, an attitude, a, a look, hell, a filmmaking, actual style. Yeah, like, movies like Snatch. Exactly. That I've those films. While I actually haven't seen too many of them, they they did, in my opinion, establish a a air. You know, in at the time mm-hmm. of like not not that everything had to be that, but that that those were sort of creating a newish standard of how you were going to watch something and anything else that came around it was kind of like, okay, can you, can you hang with this new thing? Mm -hmm. or Can you stand apart and like live on your own? Not that like you fail if you don't live up to these new, you know, styles, but you stand out more because you are not mixed up in the releases and like those other releases of these sort of like faster paced films with all this influence. And, um, I just wish that I could come up with a comparable at the time. Um, and for editing purposes, I'm just going to type in, what do you mean? um, Like an Australian comparable? no, um, I'm looking up films that came out in 2001. So 2001 films. Wow. So like, oh, and I saw this one recently, uh, the Heist with uh, Gene Hackman, Danny DeVito and Delroy Lindo. Mm-hmm. That was uh, good, but it, it, it had a few, you know, downfalls. Like, so there was not another teen movie, you know, came out in 2001. Okay, here's another one. So like Original Sin that was Antonio Banderas and uh, Angelina Jolie in 2001. Yeah. And that I've never seen, but I've seen it on the shelf at the video store. Okay. And that would have been sort of like an obscure, non-wide release film that um, I wasn't going to compare it to sure. uh, to The Dish. But it was, um, I'm just, now I'm looking at all these titles over here. It, things were very saturated back then. It was, I think it was like the beginning of like super saturation of uh, movies. And you were going, you were sort of like handing the torch to these younger up and coming actors. Like I'm looking at yeah. like a Black Hawk Down was in here, Pearl Harbor, Enemy at the Gates was really good. Um, I mean, here's like another obscure title, but it probably has a huge fan base, Joyride, because it's got Paul Walker in it. Uh-huh. Um, but then you had like your major ones like training day, you know, yep. that was just huge vanilla sky monsters ball was sort of another, you know, it was like at the time when Lionsgate was just known as this, Oh, we'll, we'll shoot anything scrappy new version of artisan entertainment. You know, I'm, I'm getting on a tangent. Um, the, the nostalgia factor that this one gives me is I actually do wish I had seen it at the time. Um, mm-hmm. because it, I feel like it would have been fun to revisit with you yeah. on this. And yeah. while part of me thinks that I kind of don't like this movie, I haven't said it until this very moment. And, and I've said it with reluctance because I, I think that I do accept this movie. Um, yeah, I do. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you, you mentioned at the start, you were like, this feels like a classic. But now you're like kind of like teetering between like, well, do I even like it or not? Mm-hmm. Would you yeah. would you recommend it to someone? Maybe. That's a good question. I'd say maybe. Yeah. I just, I don't know who and I don't know under what circumstances, you know? Yeah. Ask me if I would rewatch it. Would you rewatch it? Yeah, I would. Did you have did you have any difficulty watching it without subtitles? Were any of the like accents too thick for you? Um, not really. Um, I rarely watch with subtitles. Period. Yeah, so that's a thing. I notice people like people who speak English they, they watch it with. I I kind of hate it. I feel like it takes away. I only. I have rewound and turned and turned them on in case I just literally am not connecting dots and can't understand anything. But um, generally, I don't watch them with subtitles. Hmm. Yeah. So with uh, non-white casting, just to sort of breeze through it, something you were saying was, um, you know, like obviously the the diversity of it all. So part of me says, okay, if you guys are already going to take. Uh, these creative liberties and make up a story mm-hmm. and hell, I mean, even make up the events that happen because they're because of the actual historical inaccuracies. Yeah. Well, then why not? Why not make up uh, characters and cast them with diverse actors? Um, there's a lot of sort of like buts and and well, sort of you know um, comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you get a comment slash a bit of an argument. Where like, okay, if I made a movie about slavery and and I wasn't trying to be funny, but I was more so trying to tell like a story like like Glory with Broderick and, and Denzel Washington. Okay. And I'm and I'm casting the um the uh, the rebels and and uh the Confederacy rather and, and the the North. Sure. Um the the rebels. <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> the, what they way, they are, yeah. Yeah, they call yeah. I know, but I'm thinking like the rebellion. Thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just it feels Star Wars when you say it now. It never feels like you're talking about the, the Civil War. But I'm not gonna cast uh I I am actually gonna go out of my way to only cast white actors for the Confederacy. I'm not unless but unless I'm doing that thing where I'm telling the story in some sort of like ironic reversal for dramatic or comedic effect or to tell my own story, which those are fun too. People have done those, but yeah, if you can't sit there and and put a, (laughs) it'd be kind of funny if you made a movie about a white slave, (laughs) like, like there, you know, just there. Like, oh, it's kind of like, do you remember when they were talking about the controversy of when they wanted to cast Julia Roberts as Harriet Tubman? Yep. God, man. Oh, yeah. And, and then, I, and then this movie is just kind of like a spoof of all those things. Which one? The, the white slave movie we're making. Oh, I know. I know. It'd, it'd be hilarious. You know, it'd be kind of funny. Oh, but again, um, here's where the butts and the wells come in. So, I agree with that the least they could have made a, some sort of like staff member of NASA or a crew member or some side character um, uh, diverse. Now, I also agree the there's the I don't even know what to say anymore. I heard somewhere that calling them Aborigine was like inappropriate 
but I, I don't know. So we're, just, we're gonna respectfully gonna say the Aboriginal people of Australia, yeah, or we can just say Indigenous um, people. Indigenous. There yeah. you go. I don't. I don't know enough. That's the other thing is like Australia is sort of is just a mystery to me in terms of I don't know enough about the culture, which is why I highlighted earlier why it was nice. I just remember pausing the movie yeah. and looking at the buildings in the neighborhood. Mm. I just I wanted to see like, wow, the what what looks like does your light switch look different, Australia? You know, right. like I like little things like that. Yeah. And it was nice to see a glimpse of a, a suburb would look like a suburb of Australia. And if you watch Miro's wedding, it also like shows parts of Australia in like a town setting, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So um, again, I, I don't know what their diversity is like there on the day to day. And I wonder, I can't imagine that there's nobody there that's not mixed, you know, exactly. with the indigenous people. Yeah. And if they are, what is that like in terms of like the racial, I don't want to say tensions, but like the racial challenges that people put forward here between like light skin, light skin and dark skin or fair skin or, you know, white passing and, and all of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so my only thing is if you, if you are going to take the creative liberties with the inaccuracies of the story and, and, um, and what actually happened, then you can, and you should, and why not? But I can understand, although it's a weak argument, uh-huh. I could understand if they came back and said something like, well, we just don't have a lot of, I don't know what accent I'm doing. We just we just don't have too many people of color in the community. So blah, blah, blah. Or if they said, well, at the time, you know, times it was very segregated or something like that. I was like, eh, I, I don't know, but maybe you could have spoke about that yeah. in the film too. Or like... Uh- they have that they have that classroom that isn't that they go back to a couple of times like at the start of the movie they, they have the classroom introduced like they have a uh, a young girl talk about what the dish is and then they come back to the classroom as they're all watching like the moon landing and the moonwalk and they they never say that classroom is in the same town like that whole classroom could have been indigenous kids if if they were segregated at the time and I and I kind of imagine they are because I can't. I was thinking about it, and all of the indigenous actors I can think of from that area are from New Zealand, not from Australia. Cliff Curtis, Taika Waititi, Jermaine Clement. So what's up with Australia that they're not giving opportunities to people? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Cliff Curtis. He there was this. Um, I don't know where I saw it, but he he has been the chameleon of hollywood Mm -hmm. him and there's this other actor who i believe is actually um uh, indian i think he's indian um he was the talking about ben kingsley or something (laughs) no no it was this it was the guy who plays the captain at the very beginning of um uh jj09 trek Mm -hmm. where uh he goes and eric bana eric bana stabs him and he goes you're the captain now Mr. Cook. <laughs> I love that guy. And you got the Hemsworth right there. Wow. Awesome. What if that guy's Australian? would be crazy. Maybe. So anyway, I agree with you. I do. And you said something I wanted to jump on. That we only know these actors from New Zealand, not Australia? Oh, oh, I guess I was finishing the Cliff Curtis thing. Yeah, Cliff Curtis is this chameleon. He has been cast as um, you know, Arabic, uh, Hispanic. Uh, I'm sure he's tried, he's done the Brit thing, um, Aussie, you know, obviously New Zealand, like yeah. that dude 
has played so many <laughs> like versions of an of a character. Um, and then he was in an incredible show on NBC that lasted one short season called Trauma. And it was uh, Jerry Bruckheimer producing that one. It, maybe it was Michael Bay. Wonderful show. He yeah. played a, a medic in uh, in here in the West Coast, San Francisco. Yeah. Anyway. So maybe he can be in our Michael Bay reboot. <laughs> Oh, but I was going to tell you, that's what it was. I was going to tell you off of the non-white casting. The Here's what I don't know is other than like him, I don't know any other actors at the time that I would have cast that are um, uh, of color for this film. Like, I, I just don't know enough. And that's also part of the problem. Mm. Assuming you're looking stuff up. As I am. Yeah, I'm just looking. Apparently, there was something called the White Australia Policy. Whoa. Which was a series of historical policies that forbid, like, non-European white people from immigrating to Australia. Uh, Especially Asians, Pacific Islanders. And some of these policies were upheld until 1973. Mm, Son of a bitch. Yeah, because it's interesting. Like, obviously, we know about race in America and we hear about like apartheid in South Africa. Mm -hmm. But other than that, uh, I feel like we don't really hear about what racism is like and what historically racist policies are like in a lot of other countries. And, and, And it'd be fascinating to like hear about that as well, because when I have learned about it, it's it's pretty appalling. Mm-hmm. The actor I was talking about, his name is Ferran Tahir. He was also in the first Iron Man. Uh, is he from Australia? He's from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, but it, it does say that he spent some time in Pakistan mm. uh, and then returned to the U.S. And his uh, he talk about a theater actor, bro. He's got some credits. Like he he um, trained at the Shakespeare Theater Company. Uh, went to Berkeley. And uh, I know we're on a tangent about a whole nother person, sure. but I don't care. He's uh, he's he's I, I mean, I liked him in that. You know, he was you remember the, the actor, right? Mm-hmm. Who he gets stabbed at the beginning. Yeah, I, I, I liked him a lot. Um, but uh, anyway, great actor. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Now, I think this is the first one that I don't know who I would have. I guess I guess I could actually let me let me take it back. I could think of somebody that I would have just cast in there generally just to throw in diversity at the time. So if I'm in 2001, I think, I think a young Thandie Newton would be, would have like fit. Cause I think she was, when did crash come out? Was that 2003? Probably Sounds about right. Oh, 2004. You're right. I'm always a fucking year off. Yeah. So she was in, um, she was in crash and that was only a few few years later. So she would have still been not too young and not not like and still a newcomer, I think. Yeah. Um, but like someone like her, um I'm trying to think. Um again, she she's not know. Australian, but well, right, but like the NASA part, like you sure. said, or or just anybody else, you know, or hell, I mean an actor can do an Australian accent, right? That's true. Or even make it a thing where uh, Patrick Warburton's character is is portrayed by a black actor. 
Mm-hmm. And then see what happens. You know, like make it so. And you know what? We need to call on your Hugh Jackmans, your Nicole Kidmans, your Hemsworths, because they are all just pretty and white. Your Russell Crowes mm-hmm. to champion Australian actors of color. We need to start a movement and be like, y'all need to get together and amplify yeah. some of these voices. Fix your shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fix your shit. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is something I think about a lot is that there's uh, a lot of countries that are not the United States that act like they solved racism a long time ago. But mm-hmm. but really, they're just as racist, if not more racist, because they're not actually willing to confront it like like we have to in America because we are so diverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I even thought about that movie called Australia, which I can't believe it was 2008. Oh, yeah. I saw that in out. theaters. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did that have diversity? Don't think so. Maybe. What was it even about? I, don't, I just yeah. remember it had Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman, right? Outback Steakhouse, right? No rules. Just right. You know what I think? And that's true. <laughs> I think, now that I think about it, I, I'm almost going to bet you money. Well... I think I'd I think I'd auto be, uh, automatically be right because uh, Crocodile Dundee, yeah. um, I mean, he comes to America and like that has more diversity than than this, and that came out in what the late seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, makes you think. <laughs> makes you think. Do you want to cap off not my casting with anything? Uh, do better. I like that one. No, I got a I got a better one. What you got? Be best, Melania. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Producer's corner. So uh I'm I'm just gonna go back on what I said about the challenge of telling um um of avoiding anachronisms and telling a, a story that is um, visually historically accurate. And uh, they, man, they did a damn good job. They, it felt like that even if, if, even if they fucked up and there was a glaring mistake that some nerd on a forum pointed out about a, whatever doohickey, yeah. I'd be like, well, I don't see it, <laughs> you know, cause it's a, uh, it's incredible. And I think that the era in which it was made and came out helped that, you know, Mm -hmm. just seems that there was just, there was a layer of, of society that was non-existent and that was basically the internet while it was around at the time, it it just, it wasn't what it is now. And you felt more contained on a set. I think you felt more contained in the movie making process Mm -hmm. of like what was going on. You didn't feel like there was always these, you know, tentacles from the outside that were constantly like, you know, checking in on you or like manipulating what you were doing. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not speaking for the filmmakers, but it does, it just does feel sort of like, like this one, you know, just kind of went on its own, you know, became its, its, its own little spirit of a movie and, mm-hmm. and was just done professionally in terms of like we saw the the collaboration of the four credits on there but they knew they were doing something special it was almost handled like a play sean yeah 
Yeah. You could almost feel as though they went through their hell week, their tech rehearsal, their wardrobes, their line readings, and they just, they were all in sync and they were all on the same page with each other, bringing the same energy to it. And you felt it. Yeah, no, anything technical producer wise would just be like, man, getting all that together <laughs> in terms of the, uh, the, the ability to shoot on that dish and, and, um, uh, the historical stuff. But I think at that time it was actually kind of easier. So great job. My corner. All right. Director's corner. I don't have a lot, but I do want to talk about uh, what I see as the theme of the movie, which is a line that Sam Neill's character says, and he says variations on it throughout the movie. He says, failure is never quite so frightening as regret. And I think that's, really what this movie is about with a capital a because you you see the crew at the dish go through like all kinds of failure and this i mean this is something i've had to learn even as a person as an adult that like success is an iterative process and failure is a big part of it and you just need to like fail over and over again and that's okay that's how you do things but from the outside looking in, we always see like other people seeming so successful. And we're like, how did they just get that on the first try? But like having the determination, trying different things, I think it's just such a, a universal theme. Uh, and it's something I didn't really pick up on when I watched this as a kid. That's something that really hit me this time around. Yeah, I think our um, one of the heads of my company uh, just wrote down the quote about a week ago. Uh, fail quick and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I agree. And then in addition to kind of that theme, there's just like little things that I thought were nice. Like the classroom scene at the start of the movie is a nice bit of exposition to kind of introduce like all the hubbub around the moon landing. And, and it's actually this little girl in the classroom who explains to us about the dish and parks which I think is kind of a clever way to introduce it. And then as soon as we get to the dish, there's a reporter coming to talk to them. So it's kind of like they're giving us like an information dump kind of, but it's all justified like, oh, because they're talking about it in class or like a reporter's asking them questions. So that's how we can learn about the dish. So all that stuff kind of, all that works for me. Like like we've said, it's it's well it's a well-executed movie. I think for the most part. Agreed. I have something to say that you sparked. All right. Get, get sparky with it. I don't, I don't know what you said, but it, it made me think mm -hmm. of, uh, it, it reminded me like the movie, the movie feel feels, it, and the characters in the story feel like they're combing their hair and they're pressing their shirt and they're, you know, putting on cologne, brushing their teeth. Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting prepared for this, this visit from the, um, think the ambassador yep. and the they're on the world stage and they know it and they know that they're they know the like just how tall they are because mm -hmm. that they're not that tall in the grand scheme of things like they want to represent their country their ability and the, the film sort of wants to do that and you know looming over them not so maybe not so intentional Intentionally is the dish itself. Yeah. And I think that we all have our own dish. I'm going to say it again. But I think we're going to the failure part, you know, 
like you have to you got to go in and you have to just hold on and and do your best to stay on and, and if you fall down just get the fuck up and get right back on it you know because in a way they, they kind of did that when they fucked up like they could either cower away and and let NASA try to bounce off some other dish where they could figure it out. And the, the film does, does, you know, sort of highlight perseverance and resilience rather mm-hmm. courage as well. Yeah. Yeah. It does have a lot of themes. They just kind of creep up on you. Like I said, it, it gets you in the feelies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. I only really have one questionable question and I think I already asked it to you, but I am curious if you're, answer has changed a bit or if there's something you'd like to add to your answer okay go ahead i originally had down why did you pick this Mm. i don't mean it because well i feel like there's more for you to say there or maybe something else to add but but uh, okay you don't mean it like why the hell did you pick this no i don't mean it like that no, but you can answer it like that if you want. <laughs> How dare you? Mm-hmm. I picked this because it's, I don't know, like the the sense of humor of this movie was new to me at the time. I, I, I had never really been exposed to like the the quick paced mm. Australian banter. It's a little it's a little bit Python esque, I guess. Mm. Uh, see and i and i respectfully disagree because i don't like python but i like this yeah so i don't know but uh i don't know it's always just kind of stuck out to me to me it's you know like i said it was it's part of my family lore and i i picked it because not a lot of people have heard of it so i wanted to introduce it to you and see what you thought of it and and see if you know it held up to what i thought of it get your get your outsider perspective I think for a moment I was afraid that I was going to react to this. I was going to react to this movie the way that I was heartbroken that you reacted to Return to Oz. Yeah, um, I would have been okay with but, that. But I, I, I'm not. I don't. Uh, I don't dislike this movie. This movie does sit with me, and and I have been thinking about it. Not just because we kept rescheduling this mm-hmm. recording, but I, I have been thinking about it uh, quite a bit. It it creeps in there. Yeah doesn't it doesn't hold a lot of weight in in my mind but it does creep in there yeah it's it's not like well it's not a heavy movie i feel like it's it's pretty lighthearted. Mm-hmm. there's no like life or death situations right because they do have that backup dish in honeysuckle creek but it's just kind of like mm-hmm. you kind of fall in love with the characters and you kind of hope that the best happens for them mm-hmm yeah, I, I I agree with your points on why you picked it, and I would have I would have assumed the most that it was, uh, you know, this family treasure jewel uh, that you wanted to share, and I'm gl- I'm glad that you did pick it as far as like giving me something new that's old. Mm-hmm. You ready for me to ask some questions? I am ready. Okay, so in the in the movie, the crew actually like Chris said earlier, go go on top of the dish and stand on the dish. And uh, at least a couple times they're playing cricket on the dish. So I, I know you're not really a cricketeer. What's, what <laughs> sport would you play on the dish? Beetle. <laughs> Grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> the 
insect joke. Uh, what sport would it play on the dish? Come on, yeah, man. You, you know the answer to this. On the dish. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So was that like you being funny? No, or just curious. Like, just curious. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd throw a football. It's funny because I had to remember the cricket scene. I, I almost, I don't barely remember that one. But um, yeah, definitely football. Yeah, they're, they're like pitching the ball and then the other guy's got the... Uh, what do you call it? Cricket the mallet hammer, hammer. Yeah, cricket yeah. mallet sounds right. Yeah. And then uh, my other questionable question was the moon landing faked? No. Have you ever have you ever thought that or have you ever questioned it? I only thought and questioned it when when I read that people thought and questioned <laughs> it. <laughs> I said, "What people think this?" You know. And then I, I mean, you know, just like. Who was I speaking to recently? Yeah. I think I was speaking to Marcus about um about oh, we were talking about flat earth people. Yeah. Do you know about the turtle? Uh-huh. Oh my god, I just learned about the turtle about a week ago him and I were we we not that we were like arguing it or like saying it could be flat. No, we were talking about other people who talk about yeah. that and he and he was he goes into like the backstory of like the things that he found funny about it and was explaining it to me. I was like, wait, wait, what, what are you saying? You mm-hmm. know, I was like, are, are you, wait, this is part of the belief. I yeah. have no idea. That we're all living on the, on the back of a giant turtle. Right. <sighs> yeah. Apparently it's scary that people can, think I like, that. I like to picture it's Michelangelo. Oh, well, sadly, I think it's Raphael. Just because of the earth and the way yeah. it is. <laughs> kind of kind of a kind of an angsty guy. Exactly. Even though I really like Raphael. Me too. Uh, Me too. The size. It's all the size. Cool weapons. Yeah. Uh interesting. I, I, I find it fascinating, uh, the people who question that or who believe that. Um funny thing is, it is one theory that is probably probably has more ammo to argue than others uh mainly because of what they say mainly because they said it's the um uh the movie set theory yeah and it's only getting a bit easier to give them any sort of credit to be true because of uh one of my top favorites of all time gravity Mm -hmm. i mean and that was I don't even want to say it was recent. That was 2013, I think. I mean, but hell, Apollo 13 was 1995 uh-huh. with uh, you know Ron Howard, right. and and that was that was, didn't take place on the moon, but like whoa, yeah. But even that was like 25 years after the the moon landing, you know. Exactly. So I could see, you know, with limited equipment and with like, I get it. I, I get the argument, but um, and I don't welcome the people that say like, "Well, have you seen it?" You know, my thing was, have you, yeah. you know, I, I think it's yeah. easier to believe that if you think that the moon landing was an America only effort, but I think mm. knowing that this dish and what they did existed kind of helps to disprove it. Like why would Australia try, try to help America fake that they planted an American mm. flag on the moon. Like what, what is it in Australia's interest to help perpetrate this lie? You know? 
Yeah, and can we take a moment to highlight something glaring that but maybe I didn't I just kind of brushed over in the intro? This movie is about basically NASA needing help from from the land down mm-hmm. under, you know, with 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 NASA stuff, you know, like they the NASA in in America does come across as this whole like we did it all ourselves with American parts and American people, in a you Ford know, but truck. they're not going to in a Ford Chevrolet, <laughs> but they, but they don't, uh, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say the kangaroos helped us and the Australians helped us, you know, like there's other little stories. I mean, I, I can't think of the films off top, but this isn't the first time we've heard these like little stories about, well, there was this little character mm-hmm. in this faraway place that actually played a major role in this yep. thing and it's fun to highlight those and i had before this movie never knew never even sort of heard of it never so it's cool to learn this piece of history and even if it was slightly inaccurate um and it's cool to know that like that you know nasa was humble enough you know what's funny is i've always sort of never connected nasa to like american patriotism because it feels like NASA has and the people behind it have always been much more progressive and liberal as a as compared to like Americans. You yeah. Know? And there's like the I mean, there's the whole especially these days, there's the whole like anti-science mm-hmm. segment of Americans who may who maybe they're, maybe yeah. they're not pro NASA. Maybe they're just they just think NASA is like a, a big government institution that needs to be cut. Before we cut defense spending, I don't know. No, you know, yes and no, not not no in a disagreement way, but yes and no because I feel like I've seen two two other sides of that where there's people because simultaneously NASA is also this unifying uh, presence that brings a lot of people together. Let me take an example from um, Instagram social media. I don't follow NASA on on IG, yeah. but. I'll come across the explore page, you know, and I'll see like some awesome picture of space and that, you know, it'll tell you like so-and-so has liked this and it's usually like people from your circle. Mm-hmm. So like one time I remember going to the page, the NASA page, um, and I, and I'll do it live right now for effect. If I pull up NASA, cause I don't follow them and not out of choice. I just wanted yeah, to customize. It just hasn't happened yet. He just hasn't happened yet. Like the moon landing. Nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. I, I, for the record, believe we landed on the moon. But here it is. NASA, 74.4 million. And it says followed by. It's got one, two, two names that I follow. And on my screen, look at that. 82 others. 82 other of the people in my circle. And I know that the people in my uh, follow list or that I follow are um, not all of them are liberals. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to know that the final frontier can still unify even the most conservative people out there. Yeah. Well, in yeah, NASA has its own like complicated history to it with a lot of the initial scientists who who formed NASA being uh Germans who were brought over after World War II. Now that's a yeah. movie. They're moving right. about that. <laughs> and a, and a lot of them, you know, were were Nazi sympathizers. So that's a that's a whole nother thing. 
you know what I want to see a movie about is the Zimmerman telegram and Germany try to get Mexico to fuck us over. Right. That's what it was. I think so. Yeah. I believe that was it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you guys talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> German Spanish. Um, but yeah, the, uh, did I answer your question? Yeah. You answered my question. What was it? Was the, the moon, moon landing, landing faked? Happen? Oh, oh no, it was not faked. You heard it here. You heard it here first. You did. Do you think it was fake? No. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Nah, I like to believe that we've actually done some of the stuff we said we done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was a good question there. Thank you. You're welcome. Any more? That's it. This concludes our episode of Circle Takes. Thank you. See you next time. Where we will be discussing La Bamba. Ooh. La Bamba. 